Signing in on the CP show, and I got as always my co-host Kathleen Gomez. How are you doing, Kathleen? I'm doing really well. And do you, Diego? <laughs> yeah, you know it's getting a little hot here out in AZ, uh, so uh, kind no. of t- time to turn on the AC. But besides that, it's so can't complain. early. It's going to be a hundred for people who don't know. It's ninety-eight tomorrow, so we're coasting, <laughs> getting to a hundred, which usually didn't happen in May, but I guess things are starting early. Yep, yep. But um, we have an interesting show for everyone today. We Unfortunately, our guest for the week was unable to show up due to uh, COVID-related reasons. So we're going to change the format around a little bit. Um, we're going to kind of have a loose kind of, uh, sh- just a loose interpretation of the show. And we're actually going to go over political factions, uh, both on the right, the left, as well as independent, kind of talk about them. A little bit of our, of our own personal opinions on those groups. Um, we are going to be doing another one of our CP Viewpoints shows. Um, But first off, before we do that, we do want to just let everyone know kind of what we are about. So the CP show is part of the Know Your Vote initiative, which is basically a movement uh, of people that basically we want people to go out and vote. We think that's fantastic. We want that high turnout. But we also want people to know who they're voting for and to have a little bit more understanding of people that are running, especially in the local and uh, local county and state levels, just what who those people are, what they believe. So that time, next time you're voting for, you know, your city comptroller or your local judge, you know what they believe in, you know who they are. You can make a more informed vote. Um, and the way we're doing that is through our website that we will be launching, Candidates Platform. It's kind of your one-stop intuitive shop. You go on the website, you can type in your exact address, and it'll pull up every single person you can vote for in the upcoming election. As well as if you are running for office, you can utilize our website by creating your own page for your for your candidacy that has links to every single thing you need. You can go and interact with uh, possible voters. You can get out your message, spread your word. It makes it all very easy, all online. So it doesn't matter if you're in you know, the rural outskirts of South Dakota or the inner city boroughs of New York City. You have the same ability to reach your constituents. Anything else you'd like to add, right. Kathleen? Yeah, I think that's that's exactly you said it pretty well. You're getting better and better at, at this every time you have a show <laughs> and explaining what exactly this does. Because I, I always try to tell people, they say, well, what are you trying to do? I said, well, I ask them, do you know who's running in your area? What people you can vote for, like who's running for county supervisor or who's running for the local school board? And they don't know at all. And I said, well, that's, that's how we would fix it. You'd be able to just in one stop shop to the shop, as you said, platform. Um, you'd be able to find who you could vote for. And yeah. 
there'll be information there and links for you to be able to find out more instead of just doing a Google search, which a lot of times just, you know, there's just too much information, so it's difficult to find somebody. And like I always say, if they haven't had a DUI or been in the news for some reason, you won't find them, you know. So this is, a, this is the, I think, the best way to, to help people become more educated so that when you go into the booth, you're not guessing. You actually know who and why you're voting and uh, voting for. And I think that's, um, that's just such a simple concept, but something that's been very difficult to do. Yeah, I mean, I, I would just say, you know, if you're listening, I would I would invite you to think back to um, the most recent election you voted in. Hopefully it's 2020. Um, and, you know, you got your voter card, and I'm sure you looked at it, and you're very, most likely odds are very excited to fill in your choice for the first person, whether it's Biden or Trump. Um, and then, you know, obviously I'm sure you were, if your uh, senators were up for election, you were, like, very excited to vote for them. You know who they are, so let's say you're... Um, you know, you know exactly where they stand, what they believe in, everything about them. And then, you know, odds are you probably know who your representative is in, in, the, in Congress. So you probably were, you know, excited to vote for your either Democrat or Republican congressman. And and then it gets down a little bit more on that page. And you're kind of like, well, OK, you know, I, I know what this official is. I know what this position is. But um, there's five names on here. And, and I don't know who they are. I don't know what their party they believe in. And for all you know... Um, they could be, you know, your far right, uh, ultra conservative, you know, religious conservative, or, or they could be a communist. You know, and there's really no way to know by a name. And so generally people just pick either the first person or the name they like the most. And I, I just don't right. think for those positions, which are so important. I mean, you know, obviously your senator is important, but you know who's even more important is the judge that decides your case when um, right. when, you're, when you're suing someone or your your mayor or your school board representative or your councilman who says, you know, this bar is not allowed. I'm, I'm against uh, alcohol, so I'm not going to allow any new bars, any new businesses that serve alcohol. Those are the guys that are going to really affect your life, and those are, ironically, the people we know the least about. Um, exactly. And, and so, it's interesting yeah, so because that's... in a small town you want to put up a carport, pretty much I bet your city council has decided whether or not you can. And those are the things that really impact you every day. I mean, yes, our taxes and federal issues do, but on a day-to-day, you know, it's that judge who decides who's going to if you're going to pay alimony or if you're going to have custody <laughs> of your kids. So these are the guys that are really, really important. And I think we have to do a show just on judges and how how they're elected. And I, you know, in Phoenix when I got my ballot, I couldn't believe there were 48 different seats, I guess, for judges that. I didn't really, I, I couldn't quite understand it. You either voted no or yes. And I guess yes was to have them back and no was not, but you never find out whatever happened to that vote. I mean, it's never published. So I think one of the things Canada's platform can do is we become more and more educated about our vote, who we're voting for. We become educated about the position that's there, too, and start asking questions because, mm-hmm. you know, it's really up to us to run the country. And decide, and it's, you know, democracy is all about for those people who are involved. Because if you're not involved, somebody else is going to be, and they'll make the decisions for you. So kind of like, you know, Americans have got to stop being lazy and, you know, just watching TV or their games or their video games and, and maybe take two hours out of the week and start learning about this stuff. Start learning about well, the positions the thing about, that it could be up. About- 
that's the thing about Canon's platform is it's really it's you don't even need to take you two hours. It's you know, it's twenty minutes really. You just can find everything you need to know about a person. Obviously, you can go as in depth as you want, but really the whole point of it is it's the transparency in process and equity of opportunity. So we want the you know running for office, the process of running for office, as transparent and open as possible. So what you do while you're running is there for people to see and, and obviously if you're running you believe in yourself and, and that's that's the most important thing because you need people to see your genuine your how genuine you are. You need people to see your the convictions and your beliefs. And then also the uh, when I say the equity and in, in um, app uh, and availability, it's right now running is a is the rich man's game, the well connected man's game. It's not cheap, it's not easy, it's a long time. The kind of time that if you're working a nine to five, you can't put in. You can't, you know, uh, if you're working, you know, a regular job, you can't take three days off to go campaign two two towns down. So it, it's all about basically saying, okay, obviously there will always be people who have more money than others, but if you want to run, if you if you can run on your own merit, and if there's not going to be these major barriers because now as we move online. These barriers have gone down and not going to have this large, you know, this need for a large war chest for even small seats that you need now. Exactly. Exactly. I think you, you put it well. And I mean, my goal and my hopes for this is that not only it, it grows people to want to actually run because everyone should run. And I believe in term limits at this point in my life. I never thought I would say that because. When I was young, I thought you needed the experience, but, you know, that old saying, that what politi- politics corrupts, absolute politics corrupts absolutely, is very mm-hmm. true by Machiavelli. It's just, I don't think anybody, everyone's human, and when you're in that power, and then people offer you connections, and they offer you positions, and you start making money, it just becomes mm-hmm. too overpowering, and people stay on, and that's why we see these people over there for 40 years getting richer and richer, so... I want to see people more involved as they learn and they get maybe past the fear of, oh, I can't run. It's just too much money. It's too, I don't have the skills. I think a lot of people think, well, how, I don't, you know, especially if you're over 40 and you realize that a campaign these days is all about the Internet, you know, I think Canada's platform will ease that, you know, fear of how can I start a campaign? How can I start a website? I don't know what I'm doing. We can do all those things for you. You have to, the candidate has to put in the effort and put in the information up there, but it's going to be simple. And it's going to be easy for them to mm-hmm. be able to communicate to voters. Which so I think this is all really key into changing the game of politics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I mean it's really you know we what we really want out of our out of campaigning is is a meritocracy. We want you know the, the basically your your ability to run be based off of your merits, whether it's your ideological merits or your practical or your social merits. It's about, you know, marking yourself and getting yourself out there and not having, you know, um, basically just letting anyone, you know, anyone who wants to run can run. That's that's the whole point of it. So anyway, we have done our little spiel about <laughs> Canada's Platform. Love to have you on the website. It's candidatesplatform.com. You can also find us on Facebook as Candidates Platform and Twitter as Candid Plat. 
Um, and so on we'd LinkedIn love to have you now. over there. Oh, and we are on LinkedIn as well. So we'd love yes, to have you over there. Yeah, we love to interact with call, you. Your call faces. in if you can, 888-627-6008. If you find that uh, you disagree with us or agree with us, we'd love to hear from you. Again, Absolutely. 888-627-6008. Yep. So I think the kind of what we want to talk about this week is a little bit kind of a deeper dive into how politics, um, how the different factions and groups of politics. So, you know, obviously it's about the, the two big parties, the big boys, the reds and the blues, the elephants and the donkeys, the Dems and the Republicans. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times people think that they're both pretty monolithic. Um, you know, they think, oh, well, you know, Republicans all believe this one. It's generally people say, oh, well, the other side all believes this. They're all evil people who are, you know, baby-killing communists or they're, you know, uh, white racists or whatever it is, and that there's this big monolithic enemy. On, and that's really f- as far from the truth as you get on both sides. The Democrats are not, you know, really all that cohesive. And, um, and, and the Republicans aren't either. They have their moments where they blend together more or less, but especially right now, both parties are pretty fractured into, I would say, they're both into about five or six major groups, and then there's a lot of infighting in between. So, um, Kathleen, which one did you want to start with? Do you want to start with the Democrats or the well, Republicans? Well, yeah, and, and I guess because, you know, of our age differences, you know, when I was working in the party, we really had maybe four or five factions, right? We had the, well, the Democrats, you had the, the feminists, part, or, you know, I would say the women's issues, the Hispanic issues, African-American, or what we used to call them black issues, right? Um, and then we had the LGBT, or LGB at that time. And that was kind of basically it. And now, after the past two elections, I've just kind of been overwhelmed. We're going to start with the Democratic Party. There's so many now factions within it that I remember at the time, we used to talk, now I'm talking about 80s, late 70s, 80s, 90s, there was always discussion about how the factions, how these different factions within us was keeping us from really being cohesive and focused and being able to plan for the big goal, which was to win the White House. So it's interesting for having that discussion back in those days to see that it's even worse now because there's so many different factions within the Democratic Party. Don't you agree? Absolutely. I mean, really, I think both for Hillary Clinton and Trump, respectively, in the elections that they lost, I think a big part of it was a lack of cohesion for their side. So with Hillary Clinton, a lot of Democrats just didn't like her. They didn't trust her. They weren't fans. And I I don't think they voted for Trump, but I I think a lot of them um, just kind of stayed out of the election. And... I know there's a lot of, you know, Bernie Sanders fans who just saw her as as the same, basically a a bluer shade of Trump and and didn't want to vote for her. So they either voted third party or didn't vote. And I think that same thing happened in 2020. I wanted to agree with you because during that time, I was at the convention, Democratic convention, when that whole thing where they really kind of just screwed over, excuse my language, Bernie Sanders. And I had never really felt that kind of where, you know, people just, it was just a definite split because of how, and, and they did, they, they did, did, they did dirty to Bernie Sanders during that convention. 
And so that became what they call the progressive or the alliant. What is it? Do you know what so, they call the, the... Yeah. So, like I was... Within the Democrats, I'm, I'm, there's, in my opinion, about five, I would say, or six, I would say six, I'm sorry, six groups. And kind of the lifting, and these are just my own terminology for them. I don't think there's like an official consensus. But I'd say you have your conservative Democrats, which is going to be, you know, um, Joe Manchin, uh, Kristen Sinema, uh, Governor Edwards out of uh, Louisiana, Louisiana. Those are all guys that are, you know, um, what I'd say the conservative Democrats. They're Democrats you know, in name, and they tend to hold liberal views, but they really, you know, they'll break with the Democrat Party about, you know, almost as often as they as they stay with, you know, the, especially on things that the more progressive um, ideals, like, you know, the, the minimum wage height, the blocking rid of the filibusters, packing the courts, stuff like that are basically absolute no, no goes with them. And, and so that's kind of, the oldest, I'd say, group of the Democrats, as well as probably nowadays the smallest in number, but quite a lot of power. And I'd say Bi Joe Biden fits into there pretty generally pretty well. Um, and then you'd also have the moderates, which, again, is probably where I'd say Biden is primarily in. Um, and so those guys are kind of – they're Democrats. They vote blue. They vote with, but they're definitely – you know, on again, some of the more radical things, you know, defunding ICE, defunding police, stuff like that. They're not um, they're not on board with that. A lot of them live in swing states that could kind of go either way. Um, and even, you know, pretty big names, I'd say Pelosi fits into that group pretty well. Um, and then going into the next group, uh, I'd say you have the old school progressives, which um, is going to be. The old you know, guard, uh, you'd say, right? And isn't that that's right. where Biden is? Biden is part of right. that old so, progressive guard. Right. I'd say uh, Cuomo, Dianne Feinstein, uh, Schumer, though, all those guys, you know, they've been around for a while. They're, they're also very old, uh, old side of Democrats. And their big thing is, you know, kind of keeping the party left, but not going, you know, far left. Um, boom. And, you know, they are generally much more business friendly. Um, and so, okay, yeah. Okay, well, let's, let's, you know, let me just say this, because one thing I've been, when I was trying to figure out really the different factions within the Democratic Party, because since I've been out of it for a little while, it seems like it's kind of, um, there's like the super progressive, which that would mm -hmm. be, what do they call it, ACO, AOC and, and uh, Representative Omar of Minnesota, I guess those are the super progressives where they're very liberal on economic and identity and cultural issues and anti-establishment, wouldn't you say? Right. So, like I said, I think the, the what we were talking about was kind of the more moderate side. There's kind of, like I said, there's six, six or seven groups, five to seven groups. I'm going to say six groups. There's, you know, what, are we, what we just talked about were kind of the more moderate sides, the center lefts. And then you have... I mean, you, you could call them progressives on the right, um, on the other half, and they're into some groups. And there is, I guess, you could call super progressives. I would call them the like identity progressives. Uh, okay. They're very, very focused on identity, be it racial, and sexual, then gender. I see, right, where they talk about the very progressives, which is more like Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, where they're liberal on economic, like issues. economic progressives i would right. say right okay economic then, progressives 
Mm-hmm. And then the so progressive like- New York New Guard, which would be like Cory Booker, right? And Camilla Harris, Vice President Camilla um, Harris. So the progressive New Guard is what I've been researching and seeing come up. Yeah, I you know I I'm not I'm I'm not familiar with that term quite as much, um, but I w- I would call it the like populist progr- that might then be my term populist progressive, um, which I think is kind of what you're talking about. Um, I don't know about. And I was saying that's, you know, your, like, Pete Buttigieg's and your Stacey Abrams that are, they are right. progressive. They're not quite as, um, they're not quite as, uh, what you would, I would say, identity focused, so you, as, as um, they're kind of identity progressives. Um, they're, they're more, they're, I think, about electability of candidates. Mm-hmm, I think they're exactly. more, you know, so kind of leaning maybe to the political center, but I, I don't see them necessarily as moderates, because when I was working in in Congress, the moderates really were kind of like the renegades. But I'm not even sure if there's very many moderates left in in the Congress anymore. Well, I would say the when, when we're talking moderates, I would say the first are generally what you're what I'd be called general moderates of, and and these are people. <coughs> excuse me. People that vote both ways. Both ways? Hello? Excuse me. Sorry. I choked for a second. Okay. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So these are people that, you know, to various degrees will cross the aisle. Um, Whereas the progressive side of things are ones that very, very, very rarely will. Um, And kind of with the the I, I guess you'd call them the new guard progressives, uh, which is a good term. I do like that. Uh, they're kind of found in swing states, you know. Um, I think they're great examples like Beto O'Rourke, um, Abrams again, um, where they're kind of in these states, Georgia and Texas, that are traditionally red, and a lot of the more identity politics of the you know, identity progressives, the squad, won't really go over as well. But mm-hmm. they're they're still very, you know, they still believe in a lot of stuff. It's just it's not their main focus. Their main focus is, you know, the blue wave, turning electorates out. That's really their big thing right now. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and then I, I, I guess the last, which might excuse. probably be the smallest, is the conservative Democrats, which would be like John Edwards from uh, Louisiana, Governor Jen, John Edwards, and I guess uh, Senator Joe Manchin, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like, like, like I said earlier, yeah, so it's, you know, those guys are, um, another great example is Kristen Cinema out of Arizona. Um, right. You know, th- those are people that, again, they're Democrats, they vote blue more often than they do, but they're really, you know, kind of of that center left, where when it comes to a lot of things they're not going to go with the other factions of the Democrats, um, especially on, you know, very radical uh, ideals, you know, economic policy or social policy, you know, big tax increases, stuff like that. Um, I, 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 I don't think you're going to, you know, they're going to go with that. And then they've proven it. And they're actually, while pretty small, they do have a lot of sway right now because pretty much anything that needs the Democrats want to do has to be okayed by Manchin and Cinema. 
So, you know, like the $15 uh, minimum wage increase, you know, cinema nuked that. And, and that was really, that's quite a lot of power that that group has. And I think it's really what stopped the, uh, a radical shift left under Biden and that maybe we would see if it wasn't for them um, in the same way where we saw a more conservative shift under, you know, the conservative majority of, of Trump. Mm-hmm. So then I guess that's like I said when we talk about Trump because in doing some research because I wasn't quite sure of the factions of the Republican Party. There's there's actually like a whole thing just on Trump, Trumpist and, uh, you know, the, the pro-Trumpers, the Trumpists, the pro-Trumpers, um, Trump skeptical conservatives and Trump skeptical moderates. I mean, it's just amazing. And then the anti-Trumpers. And I guess that is, in a sense, its own faction, right? Would you say from the of the one well, of the Republican factions of the party? I don't. I personally, you know, so I, I, I'm much more knowledgeable on, on on the right side, you know, on conservative politics and Republican politics, and I really don't like how so much of what's on the right by both right wing people and left wing people has focused purely on Trump, because um, I I don't think that. You know, Trump was a huge part of kind of Republicanism and conservatism, and I think he will remain a big part going forward. But, but to to basically say, oh well, you know, there's the Trump people and the not Trump people, and you know, the Trump people just believe everything Trump believes, and the, the anti-Trump people don't. I think it's kind of um, unfair, is I guess the word I would use for it. I think with um, with the Republican Party, you know, obviously you do have. You're pro-Trump, and I, I would call them, you know, you do have your Trump base, which is, I mean, those are the people that go to every rally, that they, they wear the shirts, they wear the hats, they got, you know, they're they're there, whatever the, you know, the president says, that, that they're, he's their leader, he's really their party, and that's within the GOP, um, and, and you do have those people, and, and they have their place in the kind of big tent of conservatism, but we do have, you know, you have your, I don't like the term never-Trumpers, because a lot of never Trumpers became Trumpers and a lot of Trumpers became never Trumpers. So it's very fluid. But, um, what I personally would call them is you have your, uh, um, your neocons is kind of the general term, but, uh, yeah. Well, I guess this is my other question because, so that is a faction within the Republican party because, you know, you got Uh, your Trumpsters and they can be very, very heavily all about him or somewhat him or whatever. But then you have the conservative wing, right? And then as I see it, tell me if I'm wrong, there's within the conservative wing, we'll go into a little bit more in depth, but there's the Christian right, right? And then there's libertarian Republicans, neoconservatives and paleoconservatives, which I didn't really know what who they were and you had a good explanation for that, which I'd like you to get into. And then I, it's like the Tea Party movement, which you don't hear about as much, but I'm wondering if they folded into the Trump faction, and then you have the traditionalists, and then I guess there might be a moderate liberal wing in the, in the Republican Party, but I'm not sure. So what do you think of those kind of titles? Does that fit in with what you think is happening in the Republican Party? That, I mean, it kind of goes back to thinking of, I don't think Trump, um, I don't think Trump uh, should be quite as heavily focused. Because if you look at the Republican Party, 
anywhere from 75 to 90 percent of Republicans and conservative people to some degree support Trump. Most Republicans, you know, think he's better than he was better than Hillary. He would have been better than Biden. And I think it's there's a small minority of of Republicans who don't like him and want to get rid of him. Republicans do. You have like that's the Trump base. Yes. Um, And they are fully invoked in, with Trump. But then, like you said, there's other groups, like you were talking about. Um, the Tea Party has kind of died. They've kind of been swallowed up into other groups. Libertarians, I'd say, is kind of more of a third party. Um, mm-hmm. And then they've kind of divorced themselves from the Republican Party. Um, you have your neoconservatives, which is kind of your John McCain's, your Romney's, which are, you know, kind of old school status quo types. And then you have your paleo, you know, you do have the paleo conservatives, which is a very interesting movement. Um, and, uh, and that's, you know, kind of, uh, a general like Christian nationalism. And then you have your Christian right. But yeah, so there is, I just don't love the idea of how Trump gets, anytime you bring up Republicanism, Trump is also there. Right. He is an important part, but he's not all there are a lot of different factions. So explain to me, again, paleo-conservatives would be those who are like Pat Buchanan types? Um, yes. So um, paleo-conservatism kind of started with Pat Buchanan kind of bringing it to its forefront. Um, and generally what it was, it was, it was a socially conservative fiscally moderate, I would say, uh, kind of set of beliefs. And it was very much about the spirit and the morality of the country as much as it was the economic well-being. So it it had its moment, you know, in the 90s and early 2000s, and it kind of um, fell fell apart. And those people generally went into, you know, these other groups of, you know, Christian, the Christian right, the evangelical vote, stuff like that. A Tea Party was big. And then it's got its revival uh, around the time of Trump. Um, it's gotten its kind of revival a little bit of there is a large section of um, primarily men, I would say, but there's also a lot of women who mm-hmm. don't like the direction the country is going into, especially when it comes to like moral and social issues. Um, they're, they're religious. They're pro-life. They're pro-gun, pro-liberty types um, who just think that the, the moral decay of the country has gotten out of hand and, and that uh, we're kind of a degenerate nation. So they're a very interesting group. So the paleo really means like older, ancient, I guess, right? I mean, so the paleo conservatives are those from the conservative older, old guard, I guess you would call them, right? In a sense, um, really, it's kind of, um, so it is, you know, kind of uh, the old right, you know, that opposed a lot of the uh, kind of the new deals back, you know, back in the the 30s and 40s. Uh, But really, it's, it's, it's a very, it's, it's basically keeping it uh, kind of an, I would say, an alt. Ultra conservatism, whereas conservatism is about conserving a way of life and conserving a standard, and paleoconservatism is, is that times a hundred. So it's it's really about preserving a way of life. Very anti-interventionalism. Um, it's just about basically maintaining what they see as, as their cultural identity. Okay, so yeah. that's interesting. Yeah, 
Yeah, it, it's 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 a it's a movement that's gaining you know um, a lot of traction in right in right circles. I wouldn't. Um, it's definitely you know it's definitely kind of on the way up. It's a lot of people who have kind of um, you know the you know a big one obviously to talk about is the the alt right. A lot of people who kind of fell in that thing in, in that side of things. Um, the paleoconservative paleoconservatism doesn't really focus on race issues at all. So it's much more open and inclusive to, you know, black people or Hispanics or Asians. It's, it's um, it doesn't have that, uh, that kind of racial side that whether you believe it's true or not, you know, uh, the alt-right definitely had that stigma of. Well, let me ask you a question of millennials. What would you think most millennials who register Republican, what, do you think that there's one faction that most of them go to? Are they all young, over the place? Young people who are conservative are more conservative, uh, just because... So they're paleo-conservative? It depends. Um, I'd say a large number of... If you're a, ma- a male, then yes. I'd say, generally speaking, you're going to fall into, you know, paleo-conservatism, um, you're... Kind of uh, Chris, a lot of a lot of Christians uh, kind of fall into that group with the Christian nationalism. Um, you probably, if you're young and you're Republican, you're most likely going to fo- fall in there, or they'll fall into the kind of neocon side of things. Uh, a lot of uh, college Republican types tend to to kind of go on the more neo neocon neoliberal kind of sense of things. They're not exactly big fans of each other um as you get a little bit older then i think then i think you get more of your kind of moderate republicans is kind of what most people are you know most of your 20 late 20s 30 you know uh, 30s people who are on the right tend to be you're much more kind of a standard uh republicans your your mainstream republicans for lack of a better word okay okay well that's yeah. interesting yeah that's interesting and I guess I, of young people, millennials who probably go in the Democratic Party, they're going to tend to go into the progressive kind yes. of. Yeah, makes so sense. I, I think with younger people, I think both ways, uh, they are the younger people are more left leaning than other people, and the uh, and the right wing people are more right leaning than other people. So, yeah, okay. it's it's definitely interesting, yeah. and I've I've been. In the in the GOP and the right wing side of things since 2010, and it's been interesting to watch the shift uh, and kind of the fracturing yeah. and format. You know, new groups. And I think for it's someone been... my age, you know, I'm I'm part of the baby boomers. Uh, to see the change in the Democratic Party, I think has taken a lot of. I think there's some, you know, in my age group who went completely left. You know, went to the progressive and feel, you know, very comfortable with the Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren types. And while others are kind of just trying to figure out where they are within the Democratic Party because it has shifted itself so much as being sometimes more socialist in some ways. You know, like I remember when uh, they picked uh, to have a Democratic convention, I guess it was in Madison or it was in Wisconsin, and they were excited because it was the first city that had a socialist mayor. And so they were very, you know, wrapping themselves into that, which would someone like me, my age group, totally by the surprise. 
So it's interesting in this past six years how much has shifted both within both parties, how many factions there are, and yet when we maybe we'll go to intermission, we'll come back. We're going to talk about, and I was surprised, all the other political groups that are out there that necessarily don't elect people to state to to positions, but are out there, you know, promoting candidates, which is um, which is something I hadn't really thought of. So. When we go, let's take a uh, intermission. We'll be back um, shortly, and we'll start talking about other parties within our political system. Yeah. For most of humanity, there's been a system of government where a small minority rules over the people. From emperors to monarchs to oligarchs, the will of the people, the desire for self-determination has been repressed. A group of visionaries envisioned a nation ruled by its citizens, one where leaders were chosen by its people to be held accountable. Hence, the United States of America was born. That dream of democracy has been defiled. We find today our nation is run by a minority not held accountable to its people. Instead, special interests and money are the driving forces of our government. At Candidates Platform, we look to restore that vision. Our goal is twofold, to educate voters on the issues of the candidates running for local and state office and to give the citizen the opportunity to run for office by having a simple, intuitive, cost-effective place to manage their campaign. Let's work together to restore democracy to the people. Welcome back to the CP View. It's our kind of political opinions and assumptions of what's going on uh, here on uh, Canada's Platform Radio Show. And thank you for coming back. Don't forget you can call us at 888-627-6008. So, Diego, we had just kind of gone over the Republican and Democratic Party. And I have always thought, you know, and I think we've disagreed on this, actually, that there should be other parties. Because I'm, I'm pretty much, I guess, of the age that I've lost faith in both of them. I just have always voted for the candidate, which in uh, where I grew up, they called, we, they called us Pinto Democrats because we would change our spots, meaning we didn't vote for the party, we voted for the candidate, which is I still think is the best way to go. But um, in kind of looking at third parties, you know, of course we've, we've got, it's interesting because there are several states that have more than a couple party, more than the Republican and Democratic Party. For instance, in Vermont, they have quite a few. They have the Vermont Progressive Party. Um, there's also the Independent Party of Oregon, which is centrism. The Vermont Progressive Party is progressivism. Then there's, of course, the Libertarian Party, which, how would you explain that? Libertarians, so... My bias is going to come out here. I am, I am not a, a fan of libertarianism. Um, so I would call them uh, greedy Democrats <laughs> or um, greedy Democrats or uh, um, blind Republicans, basically. So they are, um, you know, and, and I don't mean any offense if you are a libertarian, uh, but I... I <sighs> Generally, what they believe is is that uh, the they're fiscally very very conservative and socially very very 
liberal. And so they have a general attitude, and, and I, I can understand it. I think it's, a, it's an interesting attitude. It's an attitude of, you know, basically the boundaries of the U.S. And don't tread on me and, and individual liberty above all else. And so they're very much individualists. They're very anti-collectivists. They basically believe that the world would be, or the country, I should should say, would be best run on a completely individual basis. So kind of you look out for yourself, I look out for myself. If I win, it's because of my actions, my, you know, my drive, my intelligence. If you lose, it's your fault. If I lose, it's my fault. It's that kind of attitude. Right. Which, so it's, I get you. I get you. It's survival of the fittest. Okay. So they're kind of like, they're laissez-faire capitalism, capitalists, aren't they? Kind of like, Pretty much. You know, That's a good way to... To put it, um, it was interesting because when I was looking at Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico's got actually, I think, about five different political parties, um, all ranging from, you know, of course, there's the New Progressive Party, which is about Puerto Rico statehood, and then there's liberalism, neoliberalism, um, one that's about social democracy and Christian democracy. But then Really, when you talk about third parties, you're talking about parties that are not represented in Congress or necessarily state legislatures or territorial legislatures, but they do promote candidates. Sometimes they place a candidate on the ballot, for instance, like the Green Party. And they're interesting because they've been around, well, actually not that long, but they're environmentalists. And so they're all about promoting green politics you know, nonviolence, social justice, that type of thing. And they've, they used to, it's funny because they've had some power maybe like 10, 15 years ago. They were, you know, kind of the new thing coming in. They still exist, but they're definitely kind of gone down as far as being noticed by the public. And then you have the Working Families Party, which was founded in New York in 19. 19- 98. And they're basically, they're active, I think, in New York, Connecticut, Delaware, D.C. There's about New Mexico, about maybe 12 states. Mm -hmm. And then you go down, and of course, we've got, you know, the legal marijuana now party, which that's interesting because they started in 1998, and they actually have done a good job Mm -hmm. promoting what they want, which is to make, you know, marijuana legal. Um, But we've got, like, you know, quite a few. I'm trying to see there. I was looking at them. I was realizing how there's quite, like, Oregon's got quite a few parties. And, of course, Vermont and Maine have quite a few different parties. But kind of then I was looking at um, the American Independent Party, which is basically paleoconservatism. And what I was intrigued by is I, I consider myself an independent, but there's really not an independent party. So I know in Arizona, actually, independent uh, people who identify with that, being independent, are the largest voting bloc. Yet, we really don't have a, a so-called party. Yeah. So I wonder where someone like me, I guess, is just basically going to look at the candidate and not care necessarily what party they're from. But it's interesting that we don't have any kind of... Um, party per se because I think sometimes when you're just individuals you might have more power if you could associate with maybe a party that was made up of independents who are voting for candidates not based on party affiliation. I don't know. What do you think about that? Well, so kind of as you alluded to, I'm, I'm not a particular um, fan of, of, of 
third parties per se, just because they get so into these microcosms of niche. I mean, for example, the marijuana legalization party. Well, they um, did do a good job, though. I mean, they they did, but what do they believe? I, you know, out, how many people are single-issue voters on marijuana? I mean, there's probably quite a few, but generally speaking, <laughs> um, you know, people are not single-issue voters. And, and that's the thing is, is that outside of a handful of major, the major parties, you know, I think you're pressed to find a lot of these other parties that have, you know, cons- clear, consistent views on a variety of different issues, which, you know, for all the bad, for all the bad that the Republicans, Democrats do, they do have, you know, uh, cohesive and, and consistent viewpoints on every single social official, fiscal issue. Um, and, and a lot of that just comes from kind of a history of the parties, political parties. It's, it's you know, if you're uh, someone who's interested in that kind of stuff, it's really quite quite interesting it would be a great tv show like a like a kind of game of thrones kind of thing if you were to go over it because i mean you know going back to you know the early days of you know the federalists with um alexander hamilton versus uh the democratic republicans right founded by jefferson which you know are unrelated to the parties currently exactly um you know those are those are vastly those are vastly different kind of things and and then it you know obviously changes and um you have the Whig party for example you know and then and then those kind of go away and then you get the kind of the democratic party and then even the democrat party and the republican party switched themselves you know so it's really it's really i think um i'm not an anti you know democrat republicans i think they have their places i just don't like that you can't cross that imaginary line. You know? Right. Um, you, you have to stay with your side. And Well, you know, there's another party that I found kind of interesting. It was the Transhumanist Party, uh-huh. uh, which is a political party in the United States. And um, it's, I guess, based on the ideas and principles of, of transhumanist politics, right? Which was this human enhancement and human rights. But mostly about science, science, right? It's through science. So it's through science. They're, um, you know, if and I'm not saying this in any way of a bad way, but if you watch a lot of sci-fi movies, uh-huh. and then you start thinking about those deeper, that's kind of where you get into transhumanism. You know, how will, um, you know, machines kind of as we get more and more mechanated, how is that going to affect humans? You know, as you know, robots can kind of do everything now. You know, how does that affect... And uh, to that degree, I think they do have some good points, you know, with automation. Um, right. And, you know, and population control, right, in a way which is can be very, well, volatile, but don't they deal with the whole issue of overpopulation? Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. So they do have, um, you know, their detractors were called eugenic uh, tendencies. Of, <laughs> you know, they're, um, they're, and But it is an issue. There is an issue of, you know, there is... A rising population in the world that is exponentially increased, and resources have not, you know, have not increased with that. So there is, you know, going to be a point, a breaking point, I would say, where, you know, we we don't have the resources to provide for everyone if we just kind of let populations go untapped, untouched. You know, what happens then when we have we don't have resources for everyone? you know, getting wars, stuff like that, it, it might be make more sense to kind of try and stop that before it happens, I guess. 
They're an interesting group. Yeah, they are interesting. You know, I guess the thing that's closest to the independent, being an independent or having an independent party would be, I think it started out as the Citizens Party of the United States. Um, and it was founded by Michael Thompson in 2004 in Wayne, Pennsylvania, and it has now become the new American Independent Party. And they had their first meeting in Pennsylvania, I guess, in 2004. And that basically is their makeup of independent people who feel independent and don't want to be, I guess, you know, affiliated with one one party. They vote for the person. Um, and then I was looking, well, you know, and then I realized, like, the Humane Party, I guess that would be those are the people who are into um, animal rights and a sustainable mm -hmm. economy. And then I can kind of see, you know, there's a lot of different parties within different states, like the Independent Party of Delaware, the Alaskan Independence Party, which, you know, I guess is all about, you know, Alaska becoming a state, um, the Socialist Party of the U.S., which, you know, is still officially there. Is a Demo it's the Democratic Socialist Party in the United States, and it was founded in 1973. And it's probably been split up a couple times, but they're still in existence. But you never really hear much from, from someone like them, the Socialist Party. Um, because then there's Socialist Equality Party, which is also another party. So it's interesting. I had, until I started looking into it, I kind of just think of us being a two-party system. There is a base there, a foundation for creating other parties. It's just going to be interesting which ones will gather enough momentum or grassroots involvement to actually become a third party. Because I, I think there will have to come another party out of all the chaos that we've seen in the past two elections. Because there's just too many unhappy people. And when people are unhappy, they don't have another outlet. They just won't vote. They'll say, what the heck, doesn't matter. You know, it's locked. And they're already kind of saying that. And it doesn't really matter. Both parties are the same. You know, we don't really have a vote. And I think another party would give people who feel like they are not being heard or even if they vote, their vote isn't being listened to, they might get enthused. I think they would get enthused by having a third party. Mm -hmm. yeah, and I know. I, I, and, and so why do you think that it's not a good idea having a third party? Because Again? I – so my, my biggest issue with it is that you then kind of get bought because I don't think having a third party is going to you know, bring people to, to kind of a consensus and, and, and it's going to make people, you know, uh, evaluate different sides. I think it's just going to take that left-right divide and turn it into a three-way divide where you have, you know, you're going to have your far-left people, you're going to have your, your right-wing people, and then you're going to have your centrist people. And it's just going to make an already messy and complicated um, kind of complex party system even more complicated. And then we're going to get into the issues you have in Europe and stuff where you have these coalitions, um, you know, with, uh, um, you know, basically the government shuts down because, you know, the, the, the right wing party gets 30 percent and the centrist party has you know 25 percent. And so... The two of them team up, and then they have an argument, and and that happens a lot. I mean, it just recently happened in Spain, where basically right. um, they couldn't get along, and just the, just it all just shuts down, and the government gets. Well, it might be interesting to see them all fight, because you know, I mean, they do do that in other. They start fighting on the floor, which actually probably would be refreshing. 
sitting there and be able to watch some of these politicians fight like that, you know, like that. But um, I think, though, if something doesn't change, I think a lot of people are just disenfranchised by the system. Sorry, right? No, when you looked at the Democratic, you know, debates, right? Mm. That was a mess. But maybe, maybe some of those people, I mean, you got to admit that within the Democratic Party, there was very little way for anybody who's new into the system to be able to go ahead. You know, you had all those different, you know, I can't remember because I'm old, all their names, but uh, you do. I mean, I remember Mm. us talking about it. Um, But it's so difficult for them to break out of the high, what would I want to say, the hierarchy of the Democratic Mm -hmm. Party. Because, you know, you know, it was going to be Biden. Everyone knew that even as bad as he did on a lot of those debates, we all knew it was going to be him. So all those other guys really didn't have a chance. They did get to voice some opinions and people picked up on it. But it really, you know, ended up being what everyone already knew. Right. So that that disenfranchised people. Andrew Yang, you know, um, Tulsi Gabbard, um, you know, they both had some good points and I, I liked both of them um, and you know they but they didn't have a, a, a chance in hell but I think also if you look at successful movements Bernie Sanders got where he is and, and we're talking about socialism now because Bernie Sanders went through the Democratic Party despite not being a Democrat you know he was an independent he right was an independent but he ran as a Democrat because you really you you need to run for for uh, presidency. You do need a a base. You need a group kind of thing. And, and running third party, just I hope I really hope that we don't have three people run up for election because I think from three major parties with each of their own a good shot because I think it would turn this nightmare even more messy and even more complicated. And I All think right. people like make sounds great, but. Imagine it might do the opposite. No one gets to two seventy. Yeah, you know? well, that's true. <laughs> but but you know, like look at look what came. You know, that that whole group of Democrats who were the Bernie Sanders people who really got upset the not this convention but the last one that was in Philadelphia. And I guess two movements came out of that: the one that they call Our Revolution, and the movement for a People's Party came out of the Sanders group. Mm-hmm. But they haven't been able – I mean, you know they're there, but I don't really see them gaining any traction. But and, staying within the Democratic Party is, I guess, about the only thing they can do. Right, and I think that's that's the way to do it is to reform. And that's what I think Sanders and then also Trump did. You know, Trump ran as a, as a Republican despite really by a lot of standards not really being a true Republican either. Um, sure. and, and that's, I think, really what it's about. I mean – they both did huge things for their respective movements that they couldn't have done if they didn't run into the party. And I don't think they should have done because I, I just I have yet to see, you know, if we can't work, get two groups to agree. I don't see how getting three or five is going to be any. Because easy. maybe the third group would be more concise because look at the Democrats, how many factions are there? And then how many factions create was created when Trump kind of joined the Republican Party? Because he really, you're right, he really wasn't a Republican. But because there was no other way, way for him to go, 
she had to become and look at the turmoil and how he got pushed into, I think, cornered into a lot of things that he necessarily wasn't about when he first started. And people got kind of, you know, confused by his personality and all that kind of stuff. And and he had to react because he has an ego. And so he reacted. He's not a politician. But I wonder if there hadn't been some other platform where either Bernie or him could have moved into if that wouldn't have been better for the party, better for the United States. I just, I think that's just going to be disagreeable. I don't, yeah, I don't see how it's like you have a fire and then you just throw, you know, you try and drown it with by adding more, drown it out with gasoline. Or you get three extinguishers instead of two and you put the fire out quicker. uh, Yeah, if, if, (laughs) But if two of them are filled with gasoline, you're really banking on the third one having having been. And not maybe gasoline. that third one would definitely put it out then. See, you know, you need that third person in there just to be your backup. But uh, anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think if we look at historically, and if we look at, you know, um, even right now, I don't think adding more more people disagreeing to something is ever going to really help anything. Yeah, it's only but gonna, they just. Well, we'll just I, we need to discuss this more. Yeah. Maybe we'll go into well, we better. can what we can do is we can disagree, and then we'll find someone who has a completely different opinion, <laughs> and then he can disagree, and then we'll have three people disagreeing, and maybe and we'll that'll resolve we... it somehow. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah. There you go. So you want to talk about <laughs> when we have to be coming back on the air? Yeah. So um, we will actually be back on the seventeenth of April. Um, We do have a great show for you guys, which we will be talking about soon. But anyway, we would love it if you guys would be willing to uh, be interested in joining us on Facebook, Candidates Platform. You can find us on Twitter at at Candid Plat, on LinkedIn as well as, is it on, is it Candidates Platform on LinkedIn? Uh Uh-huh. Yes, Okay. Yep. Candidates Platform on LinkedIn. And of course on our website. Yep. Uh, And that's Candidates Platform, spelled like the two words, Candidates Platform, um, dot com. And so... We'd really love to see you guys there. You know, we always love talking to people, kind of hearing what they have to say. Um, and we love to having you on the show. The CP show has loved, you know, we've been on for a couple months now. and It's been just an absolute blast. So yes. really, you know, I really appreciate everyone listening to us. I hope you all have a fantastic Saturday, a very happy Easter to those who practice. Yes. Um, happy Easter to everybody. Yeah. All righty. Good night, everybody. Good night. our time out where the stars forget to shine cityscapes askew stuck inside at noon out where the stars forget to shine how far you'd fall Were you to call Hold your breath It'll all be over soon Stuck inside this cage That's built for you